0: Network.org.
1: Hello and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. Jeremy Kalmanowski with you here. On the day we're studying Sukkot Daff Lamed, although we'll really begin on Kaftet. Page, page 30 is today's page, we'll really begin on page 29 with the beginning of the third chapter of this tractate. Lulav Hagazul, the stolen lulav or the desiccated lulav are invalid. If a lulav has been grown as part of a, a sacred tree for idol worshippers, or if it was in an Israelite city that had been given over to idol worship, that's invalid. If its top was snapped off or its leaves were split, that would be invalid. If the leaves merely flop over, then they don't—they don't have a tight uh, integrity to them. It just kind of spread out from the spine. It's still kasher. It's still permissible. But Rabbi Yehuda Omer Yeh Agdenu Milamala. Rabbi Yehuda says you should tie it up so that it doesn't flop around so unaesthetically, And our Mishnah will also tell us, Lulav sheyesh bo shlosha tefachim mm-hmm. kideh naanei bo three tefachim long. Tefach, modern, in modern measurements, is so somewhere around uh, almost 9 centimeters, so somewhere around 25, 26, 27 centimeters long for the purpose of shaking. Now, this page will bring up one of the most interesting concepts in rabbinic jurisprudence, uh, the question of means and ends, or in our terms, mitzvah haba'a ba'avera, a mitzvah done through sinful means. In our case, what we're talking about is the lulav hagazul, the stolen lulav. The first thing that happens on our page, as so often is the case, the Gemara asks why the, the language of the Mishnah is not itself kind of superfluous or redundant in telling us specifically that a stolen lulav may not be used for the mitzvah. I already knew that, because the Torah in its description of the mitzvah says, U'lakachtem lachem bayom harishon, on the first day of the holiday you have to take for yourselves uh, the, this bouquet of lula, vetro, myrtle, and willow and that, that word lachem, to you, is understood by the rabbis to mean one has to own one's own lulav uh, on the first day of the holiday. If it's not true about the subsequent days of the holiday. Now, uh, if that's true, and it's true, Uh, I already knew from the necessity of owning the lulav that a stolen lulav would be invalid and the Gemara will go on and say this this ruling applies to the first day, the second day, every day of the holiday even when the word lachem is not applicable and you don't have to own your own lulav in the name of Rabbi Yochanan I'm now in the very final line of 29b Amar Rabbi Yochanan Mishum Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai Rabbi Yochanan says in his name Mishum de because the stolen lulav would be mitzvah haba'ah ba'avera, it would be a mitzvah achieved through means of uh, uh, of a transgression. shena emar, and as it is written uh, in the prophet Malachi, vehev'etem gazul and the prophet uh, condemns them from bringing sacrifices from the stolen and the lame and the ill. In other words, the people were very. Uh, they didn't have a great deal of devotion. They cheated. They stole. They lied, and they they brought s- stolen animals and lame animals for the sacrifice. The Gemara says, "Gazul dumia de piseach." The stolen is uh, uh, analogized to the lame. Ma piseach just as the lame cannot be healed, af gazul leit So too the stolen has no remedy, it's stolen, it is invalidated for use permanently. And that rule applies whether before or after, and here's an important word in rabbinic property law, uh, that rule applies either before or after the owner despairs of ever receiving the property back, and with that mental act on the part of the owner, there seem to be a, uh, a relinquishment of the original owner's ownership. So, if you somebody you know grabbed your wallet and then r- ran away and jumped on a subway train and you were left there, you you'd know that you have lost it. You were never going to get it back. The uh, the stolen item itself has now transferred ownership. It's still a, it's still a theft, and the person who did it, the perpetrator still owes the victim the money. But now the item itself has changed ownership. So the relevance for our case should be obvious. The stolen lulav, in that case, uh, according to the view of Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, is that even after the person acquires ownership, even after the, even after the thief, ill-gotten though it is, and though he still owes the uh, he or she still owes the money to the original victim, the item itself, in this case the lulav, now does belong to that thief. Uh, and nonetheless according to these two authorities it's mitzvah haba'abavera and can never be rectified and cannot be used on any day of the holiday and this this closely tracks uh, another another couple of sugyot elsewhere in the uh, elsewhere in the Talmud. Uh, in bava kama it talks about the impossibility of ever using a stolen animal for a sacrifice even if you acquire ownership um, that would be uh, that would be uh, improper and not associatable to pious pious uh, intentions like a sacrifice. It talks about stealing uh, wheat and sowing it in the field and and having it come up and uh, and grinding it into bread and then trying to offer the priestly gifts. That too would be mitzvah haba'ah not acceptable. In the Jerusalem Talmud, on our page, it uses a a fine uh, sort of figure of speech for this. It says, You cannot have your prosecutor, uh, you cannot turn your prosecutor into your advocate. So this mitzvah of the Arba Minim on Sukkot is about worship. It's about uh, reconciliation between Israel and God. And you can't turn the thing which very self-testifies to your wicked behavior, your stealing, into the source of the reconciliation between you and God. Now I kind of wish that was the end of the story because that affirmation that uh, mitzvah ends require, demand, uh, ethical means is inspiring to me. I I wish that was the end of the story. It's not actually, not only is it not the end of the story, it's not the end of our passage and it's not entirely the end of the halakha because the halakha will go on and suggest that again you can't, you, you shouldn't steal. But if you do steal, and you acquire ownership either because the original owner despairs of getting it back or because you the thief took the item and changed it in some meaningful way you took a hunk of wood and you turned it into a table you acquired it at that moment Um, you still owe the original money and you still did a wrong thing but if you acquire the item then according to pervasive voices in halacha this is an argument that goes on all through all through the middle ages uh, especially in the Tosafot between Rabbeinu Tam, Rashi's grandson, and Rabbi Yitzchak of Dampierre, Rabbeinu Tam's nephew, Rashi's great-grandson living in in France in the uh, 12th century. Uh, if, if the tr- uh, transfer of ownership does happen according to Rabbi Yitzchak of Dampierre, then there really isn't any longer a case of mitzvah haba'aba'avehra, uh, uh, a mitzvah done through sinful means. And there are numerous in the in the Rishonim, the medieval Talmud commentators, numerous different attempts to figure out exactly when Mitzvah Haba Aba Aveira applies. Uh, I think a very prevailing one is that the Mitzvah being done happens thanks to the sin being done. It's not an incidental fact. It's not that you one day uh, one day stole something and then you know a week later you did the Mitzvah. It's when the Mitzvah happened. That itself was mid sin. They did not have just an incidental, but a causal connection. Our page will go on and say, in the name of Shmuel, that the prohibition of stolen lulav does in fact apply really only to the first to the first day of the holiday, and suggests in a story about how Rav Huna instructs his hadas growers, his myrtle growers, to be sure that that they are uh, just on the far end of the. Of the acquisition by changed uh, ownership, acquisition by changed uh, status, or doing something different to the myrtle would change its ownership status. Uh, it does appear that there's a sufficient, in their minds, a sufficient alienation between uh, the theft itself. Once it goes through the prism of a changed ownership, I might like it to be a more universally applicable principle that any time something abuts sinful behavior that nullifies it for its mitzvah capabilities. That is not how the halakha uh, plays it, that is not how halacha places a, a very rigid boundary. Still in all, it is an ethical aspiration, and there are all kinds of occasions where the, the principle of mitzvah, ha- haba, haba beira, applies the, the, for example, it is usually said, this may surprise some of you, but it's true, uh, it's a halacha that you shouldn't accept a discount for paying cash. You know, many times you're in a store, the person says, what's the cost? If, 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 if you pay cash, it's this. If you pay credit, it's that. That suggests that you are helping the owner uh, avoid his or her taxes. You shouldn't do that. That would be mitzvah Uh Let's hope that we can always find a way to see to it that our best ends are attained only through our best means. Thanks for learning today's page with
0: me, and I look forward to learning with you again tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.